Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host. Hey everyone, this is Jamie Davidson and back again, super excited to be talking to Jamie Monroe in our next episode here in the podcast of JM3 Sports. And as we talked last time all about Jamie's background and history, just a a true expert in so many different topics. And we've got an amazing topic today, which is myself as a high school coach and as a parent get asked all the time and even wonder myself is, which is all about recruiting and you know, many of you know there's been major changes in the recruiting landscape over the past year, and the rules have totally changed in terms of when you can recruit people and everything. So it's kind of thrown everything. All the timelines we used to know are completely thrown off. So, uh, so Jamie, I'm super excited to for us to have a chance to talk and pick your brain on recruiting today. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Uh, looking forward to talking about it. I mean, the um, the recruiting topic is is such an interesting one, and it's it's one that brings so much consternation to so many people and before we get into those details uh, I do want to say this to everybody we want our kids to play sports for a lot of reasons because it teaches them self-discipline it gives them confidence and teaches them how to have success and failures and how to handle that and it teaches them how to be great teammates and hard workers and goal setters let's not forget that that's why we want our kids playing sports that we love watching them play and that we want them to be able to follow their passions and then from our perspective you know as parents we kind of have these little plans laid out for our kids and hopefully uh, what we want for them they also want to like being able to go to a good college and being able to um, someday you know have a great job and, and have a family and provide for that family the same way we're trying to. And I, and, and I want to sort of put all this stuff in context for a second because so, so many times when, and especially with the old rules, but so many times when people start thinking about recruiting, they just start freaking out and worrying and, and, and then they lose sight of what's really, really important, which is that our, our, our kids really learn how to work hard and you know be all those things that that I just sort of talked about. And it's the same reason why employers love hiring athletes because they know how to do these things. So I just wanted to sort of frame that and up that's, that's you know, a, to begin. A great point. And and just since you mentioned it as well too, because I'm sure there's there's plenty of listeners out here that maybe have heard of the changes or not. But can you just give kind of even a high level of you know, what, what the changes are yeah, you refer sure. to? So about a year ago, um, a amendment to the um, recruiting rules occurred within the NCAA, driven by the Intercollegiate Women's Lacrosse Association initially, and then and then fully supported by the by the Men's Lacrosse Association, College Lacrosse Association, and it limits all contact with athletes until September one of their junior year and. It used to be that they couldn't contact you, but you could contact them. So they couldn't call you, but you could call the coach. So if a, if, if a coach loved 
a particular player that was like an eighth or ninth grader, they could call the club coach and say, hey, Jamie, have, have uh, John Smith give me a call. I really like his game. And they could initiate that contact at, at whatever age they wanted to. Uh, so that is now not permissible. Um, secondly, you were able to have contact with – the coaches weren't allowed to come visit you – but, but you could always just go to their campus and sit in their office and they could tell you about the program and how you'll fit in and they could make a scholarship offer to you and all that. Now, you're not allowed to have those in-person contact uh, contacts even on campus. You're allowed to visit the campus, but you're not allowed to sit down with the coach. Oh. And um, what this has done is it has completely eliminated the coach's ability for early recruiting, which frankly – most of them are really happy about because who wants to be <laughs> sitting in the office with like an eighth grader trying to talk about what they want to do, what they want to major in. I mean, eighth graders don't, you know, think about <laughs> right. what they were eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had no idea what we were going to do and, 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 and really weren't worrying about it. Um, so it's, it's a really, it's been a really positive step. It's, it's left a few classes very unsure of where they stand because last year, when the class of 2019 were sophomores, you know, I'd say 50% of the class was committed and they were all of a sudden cut off from being able to have any conversations until September one. Hmm. And in the class of 2020, uh, there wasn't as high of a percentage, but there were, there's a, there's a lot of kids that had committed to colleges as freshmen last year. Um, and they now had to wait, you know, 18 months, roughly, you know, 15 months or something to, to be able to, have a conversation with the coach that they had um, committed to. So wow. that left some people in, in, in sort of a kind of a, a lousy situation of not really knowing. Um, but but overall, this is awesome because now people can enjoy their sports and focus on what's important, which is getting better at the sport and doing well in school and and now you don't have to be that the hardest part about the way the recruiting process was is that you kind of had to be ready for coaches to look at you by the summer before ninth grade <laughs> right. or after eighth grade you really needed to be you had to be kind of good enough at that point in time because they were going to start recruiting then Yep. And if you had that skill level and, and or if you were a, an early bloomer, you would get recruited. And if you were a late bloomer, it's not that you weren't going to get recruited. There just wouldn't be spots and money left at maybe some of the schools that you would have wanted. Sure. So it became, it became harder for the late bloomers. So now um, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome and it's especially awesome for the parents and families and players that can like use this extra – let's call it two two years plus, 27 months of focusing on getting better and having fun and, you know, being ready to be presentable by the summer, you know, before junior year, September 1, rather than the summer before freshman year. So it's, it's pretty awesome. It's a great new change, and it really opens up the opportunities for everybody. It's, uh, yeah, that's really helpful to hear kind of how you describe that and – you know, I can relate with with my own sons in, in middle school. It's it was a strange feeling thinking, geez, in a couple of years, you know, I have no idea if they're going to be ready or good enough. Other than your perspective, saying, geez, I think I was uh, even when I was in college, I was still trying to figure out what I was uh, really wanted to study. Let alone uh, all these eighth graders 
looking at uh, the colleges. That was, uh, yeah, like you said, it seems like it's a, a really big win across the board. Yeah, I would love to love to kind of drill down on, on those topics you're talking about and maybe talk specifically what it means. And I know people, of course, always listen to episodes at different times or even different years. So, you know, maybe let's talk about it in terms of freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and even specific year classes. But, you know, maybe can you give a perspective, at least for even category? So, you know, if you're, we'll call it, you know, if you're an eighth grader, ninth grader, or if you want to start before that, you know, if you're middle school, then kind of approaching high school, and then the, the first couple years of high school versus later, you know, as you think about it now, what, uh, you know, kind of what would you recommend for, you know, as, as parents kind of think about that time period for, and then we'd love to drill down and even talk more around clubs and events and sure. more specifics from there. Yeah, so I think what I'll do is I'll start with the kids that are, uh, you know, that are rising, that, that are juniors now and going to be rising seniors. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at any stage. Uh, but, but you know, there's a lot of spots that are already taken, but there's still, because of the new rules, um, there's, there, are going to be, there are going to be spots available. And obviously, if no one's picked you up by the time you're a rising senior, it doesn't mean that you won't end up at uh, Virginia or North Carolina or Syracuse, wherever your dream school is. But, but it becomes a little less likely when those spots are gone. Um, but there are so many great opportunities across Division Two and Division Three. I mean, there are 300-plus Division Two and Division Three schools out there to go along with the 70 Division One schools. And I think that, you know, that – for the kids that just really want to play, there's going to be opportunities out there. And, and what you want to be doing is, is putting together your highlight film and reaching out to the schools that you think you would fit at academically first. In other words, if, if, you, if you have a C average, don't bother sending your stuff to Harvard, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, you want to try to send, it, send your stuff out to schools that sort of make the athletic sense. It's a little easier to kind of gauge your SAT and GPA. It's a little harder to gauge your your playing ability. So it's so important to be able to get some feedback from somebody, your high school coach, your club coach. Um, uh, we do a fair amount of um, assessments w- within within our uh, JM3 program. But to be able to figure out a way to know where you stand is really helpful. And, and you need advocates. It's so helpful to have an advocate. I mean, if, if I tell somebody, you know, that's a friend of mine, Hey, I saw this, uh, you know, this defensive short stick 2019 who plays for Pinecrest fast as heck, uh, you know, Hogan Palmer. And I tell the coach at Goucher, he, I'm sorry, at, uh, at Mercer used to be at Goucher, Kyle Hannon, which I did last week. And I was like, Hey, this kid's a really good athlete. You should look at him. He's from, he's, you know, the kid's got legitimate speed. I haven't seen him live, but he's worth a look. You know, that's going to go a lot longer of a way than Hogan sending that coach the email. Yeah. Um, just because I know Kyle and he knows that I wouldn't point him in a direction that wasn't good. So finding somebody that can do that is huge for you. And it's really important to get around in, in the summer before senior year and take a look, get a look. Uh, for the for the kids that are rising juniors, this is truly your biggest summer because this is the summer when right before the coaches are allowed to talk to you. And coaches may, in many cases, kind of know who they want, uh, but they also don't know, you know, they coaches know what players they want. What they don't know is what players are going to want them and be available. What I would always talk about is recruiting food chain. 
And, you know, if, if, if uh, Virginia or Harvard or one of these high-end academic or high-end a- athletic schools is at the top of the food chain, you got to kind of know where you fit in the food chain. And you're going to have to wait for the top of the food chain to eat, for lack of a better word, <laughs> before you can eat. And that's the way it's going to work. So the summer before junior year, you want to be able to – you need to get out and be seen at a lot of places. Um, I really believe that you want to create a little variation in – and who you play for and what tournaments you do and what showcases. So, you know, I think it's fine to to play on a national team type of level of play because sometimes the competition can be so good that, you know, if you're the best player uh, on the best team and the, against the best competition, that, that would be the best. But, but that's hard to do, and sometimes you might really more like be average at that level, and, and, and that average might actually be a really high level of average but you still look average and you might not get recruited. I would see this all the time when I would be out there recruiting at camps and, and events that were so high end. You'd be like, that kid looks, he looks okay. But then he, he ends up being a four year starter in a division one school. Wow. Meanwhile, I think it's important to play sometimes on your local, on your local club. If, if there's coaches there, because you can really stand out and look incredible, even though the competition may not be that great. Mm-hmm. And the coach might say, I don't care what the competition is because this kid looks awesome. I love what he does. I love his game. And on the other hand, they may be like, yeah, well, this competition's beat brutal. So, you know, I, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It, it can happen both ways and it does. And so, therefore, it's really important to try to, to try to diversify what you're doing. Some, some athletes will play better at a showcase than others. Honestly, the bigger, stronger, faster kids – are going to have more success at a showcase than the uh, really slick, smart, um, IQ players that aren't as physically gifted. Mm-hmm. Even though coaches may prefer that other smaller, you know, smarter player. You know, when they all when they get on campus, the smartest players play. But a lot of times, coaches are going to recruit the biggest, strongest, fastest. So, I, I think making sure that in the summer before your junior year that you know, you figure out how to do not too much, but but enough so that you feel like, you know what, I, I did everything I could do. Build in some opportunity for rest. You know, I see so many kids over the years that do so many events that they're exhausted and they can't play well or they get injured or they play injured. And that's that's a surefire way to, to get yourself unrecruited. So what you have to do is find this balance. And it's an art. It's like scheduling. If, you know, if you're a Division One head coach, you got to figure out how to schedule your – got to finesse your schedule. you got to do yeah. the same thing for your summer schedule. So, you know, that's going to be really, really important. you got to have some rest. you got to have some downtime. But you got to get the looks that you want to, that you want to get. And, and along with that, how about getting better during the course of the summer? <laughs> I always looked for that when I was recruiting. If I saw yep. a kid in early June – and, and he and he didn't look better to me by early July. I'd be disappointed. Doesn't mean yeah. I wouldn't recruit him, but you know, there's no reason why you can't keep getting better and being very deliberate about that. So, um, you know, those are the, the sort of the junior and, se- and sophomore classes yeah. currently. Can I mean, just to ask you one question in the middle of it because you get you have yeah, so yeah. much good stuff in here. I, I want to just. Uh, even take it back just a little bit as you were talking about the the recruiting police side of things with uh, with coaches and advocates, and I know as a you know as a, a coach and players, and one of the things I think a lot of parents are trying to figure out is you know w- what is the best way to go about that, and 
you know, you kind of use the example with yourself a little bit, but there's only there's only one Jamie Monroe and, and the group of people kind of with your connections and experiences is, is extremely small. But, you know, compared to the, the typical coaches out there, the average uh, high school coach and different coaches have different, you know, some have a lot of relationships, some, you know, may have none. Just, you know, any perspective for parents as they're thinking about it. Uh, obviously, some parents say, hey, Jamie Monroe, how can we access you? And, and I know you do some things to, to help people on that front, which will I'd love to talk about a little bit uh, later too. But even for coaches, you know, what do you, what do you recommend for parents? Do they, you know, hey, ask the coach to see if they're willing to send out an email to a to a college or do it along with the club coach or just, you know, specifically, what do you recommend there? Yeah, so, you know, the bottom line is is this. These college coaches are looking for great players and, they, and, and they're going to go to a lot of events and they're going to, and, and, and every single network of coaches and friends that and alums that will give them a tip on a player hey check out this kid and, and every coach wants a tip on a player and so what you need to do as a, as a parent is find a club organization or or multiple club organizations that are going to be able to help you with the process of getting your son to look and um, you know, as a part of it, obviously there's, a, there's, there's the part of like being good enough that we, I, I usually spend a lot of time focusing on and we'll get back to that. But the idea of sure. this network is that, so if you're, if your club organization has coaches that played at certain schools or an organization that has been around long enough that they've placed a ton of kids at a lot of different places, and you know that this club organization, you know, it has a pretty good track record for follow-up, uh, then that's what you're looking for. Because, I mean, if I go to a tournament, I'm going to walk around and I'm going to talk to college coaches. And I'm going to be like, hey, what's up, folks? <laughs> you know, what are you looking for? You need any, you need any 2019s? You'd be like, yeah, I do, actually. All right, great. I know these guys. Now, me personally, I might, you know, I don't, I'm not affiliated with a club anymore. Mm-hmm. But, but I would, and I'm sure most people would, I, I, I care more about being being uh, helpful to this college coach than anything else because he's a friend of mine. He's, it's a relationship I have, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a college coach about any player that's good that might be a good fit for them. Not just you know when I was CEO of 3D Lacrosse, it wasn't yeah. like I would only talk about 3D kids. I talk about anybody that I knew that was good, and I think that. What you want to try to find is people that are kind of like that, that have that track record and that trust. I did a, a little uh, uh, presentation recently. Um, if, if you all go to www.jm3getrecruited.com, you can listen to a really great uh, recruiting presentation. And I interviewed uh, four different college coaches, Joe Bresci from North Carolina, Kevin Corrigan from Notre Dame, uh, Matt Madelon from Princeton, and Lars Tiffany from Virginia, all, all good friends of mine. And I asked them a lot of the same questions. And one was, hey, how do you think, how important do you think advocates are in the recruiting process? And, and, and you know, Joe Bresci was like, well, it's really important, but I really want to find out, you know, when somebody tells me how good a player is, I want to find out, you know, how, how accurate is this person in giving me this information? Mm, yeah. So you got to have that person who's got some, a level of, a, 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 you know, every time you tell someone about a player, they're going to make a note on whether that player was in the ballpark or not. Sure. And so you got to be really careful if you're if your coach has great intentions and he's 
sending out 12, you know, <laughs> players from your club team to Virginia, it's probably not, you know, realistic. It might be in some cases, but most cases probably not realistic. And all it does is kind of ruin the credibility. So finding that type of advocate is huge. Yeah, that makes a ton of, a ton of sense. And uh, I heard you mention the, uh, the website address there because I, I did watch that training, which was uh, pretty awesome on, on recruiting. And, again, that was uh, – can you repeat the – the domain or the URL people yeah. go to? Yeah, www.jm3getrecruited.com. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you'll definitely, anybody who watches that, honestly, if you've got a kid who's, you know, wants to be recruited, uh, someday might want to be recruited, it, it puts the whole recruiting process in perspective, I think, in a, a really important way. And in perspective meaning, you really got to focus on trying to figure out what college coaches want and how to and how to be you know a good enough player, uh, an athlete, uh, to ha- and student to have them want to recruit you. So it's 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 uh, it's really good. I think uh, anybody should watch that. That's that's going to be going through this process. It'll it will, without question will be helpful. Yeah, I've actually seen it be passed around. I've seen some emails go around unrelated to this. I've just seen some people uh, forwarding it on because it. Uh you know, unrelated to this, just saying what what great information that has, and it's these are definitely some uh, some golden nuggets that you're uh, you're sharing here. So this is uh, is great stuff. Uh, along those along those lines, you know, re- related to question, you're, a related question I get from parents as well too is around you know they'll send a certain tournament and they'll say, hey, is, you know, should I go to this or not, or is this a money grab? And they'll ask an opinion and. and you know, I, I think you've been kind of walking through this a little bit, but again, kind of specific to that question, you know, any perspective on how people should think about it. I know it obviously depends. I'm sure it depends a little bit on how closely affiliated they are with, with you know, one of the primary clubs or not, but just, just some specifics on that would be great. Yeah, the word money grab is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is pretty funny just because I think, um, you know, uh, in, in, in all businesses – you know, some people are, uh, do a better job than others, and um, and I think that in, there's no it's no different in the lacrosse business. Um, certainly, groups that have you know been organized and, and come through with what they've said they're going to do over the course of time um, would be the the groups that you would sort of lean towards. Um, but that doesn't mean that a new group uh, can't come through and be able to um, provide you know, what you, what you'd be hoping for in the events of the camp or whatever. And, and so, and, and so much of it really comes down to how organized they are and then, you know, and, and how much money they have. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I've seen some camps in which, you know, there was four goalies on the team, you know, at a recruiting camp. Hmm. Well, that would be pretty quickly classified as a money grab <laughs> uh, because, you know, how can you possibly get recruited if you're on a team with four goalies or even three? <laughs> yep. Uh, and I think that the situation was more about just not being very organized uh, than it was about, you know, trying to, you know, shaft the customers, you know. And so, but there's no excuse either way. It's the same thing. So I think finding the groups that are super organized and professional that also have a track record and ideally are connected in the game, those are the best organizations. So there are some really professional new organizations that come out all the time that 
you know, they clearly have a good sort of business uh, sense and their materials look great and everything, but, but no one's ever heard of them. They're going to have a tougher time breaking in than the really organized group that has somebody that, that has relationships from a whole career of being in the sport. And so I think it doesn't mean that, that a new group that doesn't know anybody can't basically pay coaches to be there because they can and they will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 but it's harder to run your business that way without the relationship. So I think, I think trying to figure out, you know, these answers to these questions, it requires your own sort of due diligence. It's too bad. There's not like a, a consumer's report on lacrosse oriented uh, <laughs> camps, club teams, tournaments, stuff like that. Because I do feel bad for a lot of people that sign up for a ton of different events and then only to find out that no coaches showed up. Uh, you know, the teams had way too many players. Yeah. Um, there was terrible communication. So, you know, the, the rosters were all wrong, whatever it was. Um, it really does come down to, you know, this combination of really being professional and organized and having like, you know, lifelong relationships in the sport for, for your best that's, opportunities. Uh, yeah, that's really helpful. That's great perspective. And, you know, I know at the uh, the website you mentioned, the, the JM3 getrecruited.com. I know you go through a lot of these topics like a real really in depth, but even even as we're talking here, I'd love just to, you know, maybe get a couple from you in terms of you know, not to put you on the spot too much, but maybe a couple of the biggest mistakes that uh, you see either parents or players make as you think about just the recruiting process in general. So maybe a couple things that the people could write down for themselves to make sure to try to avoid if, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, one of the biggest mistakes is, is, in my opinion, just comes down to the, the whole point of what these colleges are trying to do is recruit the best student athletes they possibly can to their programs. And I think that the by far the biggest mistake that most people make is they start worrying about exposure and how they're going to get their looks and what camps they're going to go to and all their tournaments before their child is like actually like good enough um, at, at their skills, their IQ, their athleticism, their physical maturity, whatever it is. Um, because every time you go off to a tournament, it's a massive, forget about the monetary cost, even though that, that, that exists and it can be significant, but for everybody, there's a real opportunity cost. And the fact is, is that you, you don't get better at lacrosse going to a tournament. You don't touch the ball enough to get better going to a tournament. You need to figure out ways, and I've got my own theories on it, but you got to figure out ways to practice this game and get better at this game and learn skill and IQ that's really, really high level. Yeah. And um, most people are just – I, I kind of c- compare it to having like this sales and marketing plan – that's really dialed in, but you don't even have a very good product or you don't even have a product or you don't have a product that anybody wants. You mm-hmm. got to figure out what the coaches want and then try to be that. And what that, what do they want? They want something special in their athlete. They're going to take players of all different shapes and sizes and skill levels and, and everything. But, but each one of those players has to have something really special. So maybe you're a really big, strong, fast, athletic kid that doesn't have the best hands but you know you can play defense and clear the ball 
maybe you're the you know the, the maybe you're the bowling ball type that doesn't look like an athlete, but <laughs> you've got some quickness. You're short, stocky, and strong as heck, and great stick, great hands. You know, and, and 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 all of a sudden, you know, you've got this ability to score goals and be physical that nobody else has. Um, you could be the off-ball player, whatever it is. You have to figure out what that is and be so good at it that everyone's like, "Man, this this kid is awesome!" And and we all, everybody needs this. The the problem is, is that when you don't figure that out, and then you just, it, it, let me back it. Let me back up a step. The problem is, is that. If you don't practice enough, you won't get to the point where you are that special. And you won't be able to figure out, even on your own, what it's going to take to be that special or what, it, what, what that special thing about you could be because you're wasting too much time on a field touching the ball an average of 15 or 18 times you know, a game for five games over a weekend. And you multiply that times 10 or 15 or 20 weekends – a year and you're not getting better in those opportunities. And so I think that's the part, you know, honestly, that, that that's the great thing about the new rules is that you just don't have to worry about getting seen much until summer after your freshman year, a little bit, and then summer after your sophomore year, a lot, you can focus on getting better. Um, and um, I, I, like I said, if you watch my get recruited, JM3, get recruited.com video, it, it'll it'll tell you pretty clearly what I mean by what the coaches are looking for, and then how you can figure out, you know, are you good enough, um, you know, through yeah. through video analysis and stuff like yeah. that. So let me let me sorry, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in. I just because uh, related to that, I mean, it's just you're thinking about this stuff, and you're thinking, all right, you know, and, and this is your life's work, right? This is what you do, and you know, I heard you mention the question. You're trying to figure out, you know. Basically, how do you know if you're good enough? Uh, you know, as, as you thought thought about that and ways to help people figure that out. And I, I know you at the end of the uh, the video there, you you go through some of that. Can you give people just a little glimpse of, you know, as you think about trying to solve that solve that question for people, just how you've worked with people and and even maybe even I'd be curious just the the type of schools people are going to. Are you working with younger people? People going to like top top schools for lacrosse? Kind of what's the range and and as you think about helping them figure out, you know, if they are good enough or where they're at, kind of what's, you know, what do you think's the solution you have for, uh, for helping those people? Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, I, uh, I started filming my practices at Denver, um, in, uh, early January, 2000. And that was my second season there. And, um, I filmed every single practice from there on out. The old days. Yeah, it <laughs> was coming practice every day. Wow. And I did it because I was because I was trying to learn how to uh, this funny story out. We were playing Villanova. Um, Villanova was known for their at the time single inverts and they were a really slick team and we're like we need to be able to zone this team. I don't want to get inverted to death by this team and we're going to play zone and I'd never coached it before because I came from Yale University where the Hall of Fame head coach was a man-to-man guy we never ran zone so I needed to learn it and I I, I was like not confident in myself so I was like I got to watch the film and then I'm going to know if I'm what I'm doing right or wrong and once I realized the power of that I never looked back and I even filmed every practice for my for my high school season last year in preparation for all this. Wow. Most high school coaches aren't filming, but I can tell you, if you don't watch the film, 
you don't really know what happened. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're going to get feedback or give feedback, I don't care whether it's a private lesson or whether it's a, a practice or a game, unless you watch the film, you don't really know what happened. And so that's a great that's, point. Yeah, yeah. Go through. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's such a, again, that's just another great point. I mean, that's that's definitely a, a key takeaway, whether you're uh, whether you're a parent, a player, or a coach, that uh, that you make there. Because I think you know ninety plus percent of people don't necessarily realize that point. Right. And, and you and you you can. And, and the funny thing is with film is that anytime you thought you played really well and you watched the film, you realize you didn't. Anytime you thought you played really poorly and you go back and watch the film, it wasn't that bad. Every time. It's <laughs> yeah. really fun. Um, and, um, and so as I started this JM3 sports venture, um, you know, film was going to be a huge part of it. And, and it's really it's, – it's what has made me as a coach um, in so many ways because I've, I've, I've just probably logged more hours than most mm-hmm. watching a lot of different film. And, and that's where you really learn – and see what's happening and what works and what doesn't and why. And so I started doing, as I was messing around with this new business, I would just t- talk to some friends and I'd be like, hey, s- send me some films on your son or daughter. I want to go through and see if I can uh, pull out clips and give you a video assessment. So I just started doing this last May, so about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it was amazing to show somebody for the first time based on video that was clear as day what what their strengths were and what they did really well and what they should do more of. Like yeah. I'd be like, man, you know, you 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 did this so well, but you only did it two times in three games. I mean, if you did this more often, you'd be so much better. And also the things that they need to work on and what side of the field they want to be and where they want to be. So many kids, you know make great moves, but they don't make them in precisely the right spot. So therefore when they come out of their move, they're not in shooting range and, and they could have been. And so it, or they're, they're, they're just outside of their shooting range and the goalie makes a save instead of, you know, if you roll back to the middle at 12 yards, as opposed to at seven yards, it's going to make a pretty big difference on your ability to score the goal. So, you know, being able to point these things out to players and, 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 and then the off ball piece, I mean, 95% of the game, if you were to go by strict mm-hmm. averages, you, you're, you don't have the ball or your man doesn't, you know, you don't have the ball. And so to be great, a great player without the ball is so important. And we all know how, you know, how much standing around goes on at the youth levels and even some high school levels and club. And it's just it's painful to watch. And coaches will recognize off-ball movement in one second as opposed to the people that are just kind of growing roots, standing out there waiting for the ball to come to them. So what I was able to do with this was was basically give people for their very first time ever a video assessment. And think about how much we love to hear you know, or read something about our kids, you know. And we, we, you know, if we're smart, we want the good and the bad, and we know that the stuff that isn't the best – is what's going to help them. But we do love reading nice things or listening <laughs> to nice things said about our kids, and we want them to help follow their dreams. And so what I found really quickly was that the feedback on these assessments was so powerful and strong that I needed to figure out how to turn it into you know, uh, an opportunity to share with more people. And I, I personally think that 
for how much money people are investing in lacrosse right now that they would be crazy not to have a roadmap that says this is this is who you are this is this is what that special thing is that you do and you need to do more of it these are the things that you got to work on so it's it's really cool yeah it's that's uh awesome and I, and I know because you know it's like i'm a customer myself i know you've taken the time to review one of my sons and just like you said it's it's both really eye-opening as a parent also as a coach i just it's you've i've seen a couple of the ones you've done and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, each little thing is just a different angle than most coaches or, you know, almost anyone really would see. But it's so easy to uh, to adopt so many of the things and, and go, OK. And I've heard several parents to me say, like, well, I never coached a game, but I was kind of thinking what Jamie was thinking. But that kind of proved it. And now I, you know, now my son will listen to me, which, you know, I kind of get a, a chuckle out of that, that they, uh, you know, I think most people or everyone I've talked to has been blown away by it. So it's. Super cool. So I, I kind of made you go down the path there to talk about it a little bit. And the other thing I heard you say, which uh, just I think maybe you just yesterday were telling me, was even talking to some top college coaches about it, right? I think maybe some of them have seen it. And what did they say? They, they would like it maybe for one of their players on their team? Or, or what, what type of feedback did the coaches tell you? <laughs> Gary Gate, actually, about, um, about this. Uh, and I was telling him all about, you know, what, what I think he was also really interested in is that we do these uh, analytics. We call them advanced stats. And what we do is our, our, our editors go through and they, they stat out um, stats that aren't usually taken. Like if you're a defensive player, how many times did were you dodged? And how many times did your team have to slide because you were beat and how many moves did it take for that player to beat you so for example you know if you got beat on three moves as a short stick it's not it's not so bad but if you're getting beat on one move all the time it's 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 a problem you know your defense needs a little bit more time to be able to adjust and be able to slide to you and um, obviously it's a different between a short and a long stick we measure your your athletic posture you know are you in an athletic position or not plus or minus and you should have a lot more pluses than minuses a lot of kids will go stand up. They're, they're just literally, you watch them on defense and they're standing up straight. They're, you know, it's almost like their knees are locked back. You know, they're standing up, their hips are high. Um, we measure head turns. Everybody's heard of the expression head on a swivel. Um, but we decided, you know, if, if, if I measure whether you're properly positioned on the field and getting in, you know, as opposed to, you know, getting into the heart of the defense and I, I measure your athletic posture and I measure your head turns, that pretty much takes care of your off-ball defense in many ways. You've got the position, you've got the posture, and you're seeing your man in the ball, which forces you to be sideways to the man in the ball. So we figured out this way to create these advanced stats that tell an awesome story. Um, in fact, I did this for one of your players, mm-hmm. referred to him earlier, and yeah. it was amazing <laughs> when 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 this, this guy Hogan took – my evaluation and the stats and he immediately implemented these things and sent me a highlight video from his next three games and it was a night and day difference because the kid already had tremendous athleticism but he didn't play defense in a in a very disciplined way and it was really just because he didn't realize to the degree he needed to Mm -hmm. even though you were probably telling him sometimes (laughs) these kids need to just see it and have it statted out. It's black and white. You know, you turn your head three times in a 60-second possession. 
you can't possibly play great team defense doing that, and it's pretty obvious. So this combination of the qualitative voiceover and annotation on the video combined with these the the, the numbers of these stats uh, really makes for a powerful tool. Yeah, it's. Uh... Oh yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> So I told Gary Gate all about this. And he's the head coach of Syracuse, right, for the women? Goes, yeah. yeah, I mean, Gary Gate, you know, is the greatest player of all time. He's the head women's coach of Syracuse. And he was like, I want this for all my players. <laughs> so you know, whether or not we, uh, we get that bit or not, uh, I don't know. But, but I can tell you that he was pretty fascinated. I had the same conversation with Joe Brescia in North Carolina. And he was like, man, I would love that for my players. So, yep. um, so it's without question – it's going to be a tool that everybody is going to want. Um, it's just a matter of it's a matter of seeing it for yourself. You'll be blown away. I had some parents honestly tell me that they watched their kid their kids video yeah. like twenty uh, times. Yeah. I might I might be uh, I might be one of those. I must uh, I probably didn't admit it, but it's it's it is it's pretty cool for all you know all the reasons you describe. And and how about just can you give us an age range of you know I know you're talking. Gary Gate and the college kids and you know I know you've got guys committed to Syracuse and committed to other top programs that you're working with but what's the what's the age range because I mean a lot of your discussion feedback and things I've learned from you is, is so much about just trying to get better not overly thinking about certain things in terms of tournaments but so what's kind of the range of, of people that you've worked with with the uh, the assessment um, I think, um, honestly, your son James is probably one of the youngest kids uh, who I think was a fifth or sixth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, my take on that is I, I've had some people send me video in which it was, you know, fifth or sixth grade lacrosse, and it was just a very low level of lacrosse, and it, it probably wasn't going to do a whole lot, mm-hmm. um, in which case I think that there are other avenues. I think once you're – I think if you're playing a decent level of travel lacrosse by the time you're in fifth or sixth grade – there's, there are going to be some things that you could learn uh, that could make uh, such an, an assessment uh, worthwhile. Um, but I think if the level of play is, is lower, the full field game assessment isn't worth it. Um, but what I think could be is, and this is it sounds kind of kind of crazy, but but I started doing I started playing a lot of pickup games uh, in front of the house with my daughter who's in 2021. <laughs> and we started, and because I'm really into coaching and teaching and film, I started filming all these three-on-three street box games. And I would do, I didn't have any game films on my daughter, so I was doing assessments for her once a week with y- utilizing the, the film from these street box games. And I, I got to tell you, we got as much or more out of those games than any full field game. Because she touched the ball in better situations a lot more times. And even though there are certain things that may never happen in a three-on-three game that you might touch on in a full-field game, um, the truth is the most important things of your skill, of your dodging, of your faking, of your shooting, of your two-man games, they all do happen in that three-on-three game. And they happen at a rate of probably 10 to 20 times more. And then I did the stats. I mean, I, I just on pure touches in a 40 minute game, you're going to get about 80 to a hundred touches. Whereas in a full field game, just purely on touches, you're only going to get somewhere between eight and 18 touches in a, in a full field game. So, um, the, the, the amount of opportunities to, 
to uh, capitalize upon in, in pickup games is just massive. So that's what I would recommend, and I would recommend it anyways. I, I, I think that mm-hmm. that uh, um, doing assessments on pickup games is is a hundred percent the way to go. I don't care how good you are. Mm-hmm. There, yep. there are things you're going to do in pickup games that you won't do in regular games that you need to learn how to transfer over. That's uh that's great great insight great point it's just I, I love just listening to you to hear how kind of your mind you know looks at the game and it's so different than uh you know at least what i've experienced out there so it's like i said it's just a lot of fun to kind of sit back and and see you kind of your uh, your mad scientist approach in terms of possessions and the, the details and then the way you put it all together makes it uh you know, makes it really practical for everyone. And I know, I know the video assessments, I know you only have so much time. So I know sometimes you have to kind of close that out. You can only take so many people at once because you personally do this. And I know it's pretty awesome, but is that, so if people go through that, that's the, uh, the video, right? The, uh, the jm3getrecruited.com. They can go through that if I have that correct, right? Yeah. Jm3getrecruited.com, um, is where, uh, you can watch that, watch that video. And by the way, I'm so confident in the product that it, there's a money-back guarantee. You like literally have nothing, nothing to lose. Yeah. The, the video itself is what the recruiting video is absolutely worth watching. You need to watch it. Everybody should watch it. I don't care who you are. <laughs> no, I'm with you. It's uh, like I said. I definitely learned a lot. But so just to kind of and I, and I took us down the path of the the assessment just because I thought it was so cool and you know, I've gotten so much value and I know a bunch of other people have been they had you know one son or one of their sons obsessed and then they want their next son or another player on the team and so that I kind of thought it tied nicely to this recruiting topic but maybe just to, to wrap it up on the the recruiting topic just any kind of final thoughts or advice you'd give uh, you know again to parents or players out there as you as you think about recruiting yeah for sure I mean you know for me my passion for the game um, a never-ending desire to to get better and learn and I, I think that this is the attitude that college coaches want, and this is the attitude that if you have this and you love the sport and you keep getting better and challenging yourself, these are the things that are going to give you the, the best chance to be the player that you hope to be. And I, I grew up playing sports in a different way than our kids have grown up, and probably you did too. I grew up playing pickup sports. I grew up playing every sport. I grew up playing soccer and football and basketball and wrestling and kill the guy with the ball and <laughs> chase and tag, you know, bike races and everything. Right. And what I didn't grow up with was necessarily great coaching. I became a big part of the coaching model and I believe in it. I do think that coaching is really, really important. But if I have a choice between pickup games and great coaching, I'm picking pickup games. That includes, wow. you know, that includes me with my own kids. I would, this past fall with my daughter, for example, we just played pickup games. She was already playing field hockey. We didn't have a ton of time. We just made sure we played that pickup game once a week. And I'm going to make sure she's got the great coaching along the way. The I, So if I have to choose, I choose pickup games. But we don't have to choose. We can figure out a way to do both. And I think it's so important to get the unstructured play. And this is the secret that the beauty of it is, is it's free. 
You don't have to pay anything, and your best chance to be the best player you can be is to be able to get your kid playing pickup games and play with them and get friends over. And and, and so what if it's basketball or soccer or football sometimes? (laughs) This is how you become a great athlete from the perspective of skill, IQ, um, and and love of the game, and I think that the, all three of those go together. So my what I urge parents to do, and you can go to my website, um, you can start learning about this stuff. But you you you're 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 it's it's the sad part is is that nobody's doing this, and they're spending they're spending countless hours and dollars chasing something that they could be doing in the front of their own house mm-hmm. and smiling while they're watching their kids have a great time and get get great at the sport that they love that's that's awesome I, this has been uh this has been fantastic i said i know every time i get a chance to talk to you i, I learned so much through through uh, these discussions and and i'm really excited about the the upcoming episodes you have whether it's interviewing other uh, other experts or you sharing more of your knowledge but yeah jamie thank you again today for really kind of deconstructing demystifying the, the recruiting process given kind of the massive changes that took place uh, not that long ago here with the recruiting process and, and really kind of walking through all the details i think uh you know i think for anyone listening and uh myself included you know just super super helpful so thank thank you so much too and if you could just share again if people want to get in touch with you uh just go ahead and share uh what the best way is yeah yeah best way to get in touch with me is uh just uh Go to uh, www.jm3getrecruited.com or you can email me at jmonroe at jm3sports.com. That's J-M-U-N-R-O at jm3sports.com. Love to hear from you. And, um, Jam, thanks a lot for uh, helping me out with this and um, looking forward to keeping it going. Likewise. Thank you.